This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one. The Peer Pleasure Podcast, host Dewey Help Us, lets you take the role of a fly on the wall, listening in on Real Talk with your favorite artists and creatives while they discuss life, love, loss, and present the stories that shape them into who they are today. Hear them in their own words through their candid and genuine conversation on peer pleasure. Upcoming guests included Anthony Green from Circa Survive, Adam D. of Kill Switch Engage, and Jeff Rickley of Thursday. Visit PeerPleasurePodcast.com to check out the Peer Pleasure Podcast today. And don't forget to rate and subscribe on iTunes to get all the latest and upcoming shows every Saturday. Now that recreational marijuana is legal in Nevada, customers must choose where to go and who to trust. Can you? Explain. Allow us to introduce Deftones Dispensary. There's a hole in the earth. As you know, the Deftones have a reputation of sounding whiny. Ow. What the fuck? Is that a cat dying? But sound great when you're high. <coughs> hey, turn that up. Is that Jesus? We have indica strains designed for all their records so you can easily fall asleep before having to listen to them in their entirety. Please Popular strains include Around the Funyuns, Diamond Highs, and their most popular strain, Sorry for Limp Biscuit. So you could take that cookie and stick it up your ear. The Deftones Dispensary. Smoke away bad music and get it. This is the Metal Sucks Podcast with your host, Brandon Hahn and Petter Spych. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, what's going on, guys? Metal Sucks Podcast back again. I'm one of the hosts, Brandon Hahn, and I'm always joined by the other host. Petter Spych here. Hello. Who are we interviewing, bro? We're going to be interviewing I Hate God. Mike Nine. Mike, Mike Nine from I Hate God. Yes. And I actually got that wrong. I called him by his <laughs> real last name, and there was a real quick correction that you're going to hear Mike make immediately into the interview. Yeah, dude. And I don't know if you guys heard Brandon uh, promoting the, the Pure Pleasure podcast over on Jabber John. Yeah. That's one of my favorites on that, Jabber John Media. I love the Pure Pleasure podcast. That one, and of course, the Metal podcast, which is just excellent. You guys should be listening to them, too. But anyways, um, moving on, dude. So, um this week in news stories. This week in metal. That's right. Should we make a story. sounder for that? Like, hey, week in metal. You know what I mean? That type of shit. No. No? I think nah. we should. I think we should. No. Nah. I'm going to. You're going to? Okay. I'm going to force it in. <laughs> I'm making in. an executive decision. Put it in next I'm week, I'm making dude. an executive decision. What a great, like, oof, I'm excited. It was good. It was a good week in uh, metal this week. Um, you know, uh, one of the big stories for me, I was really excited about this. Um, and then I saw that there was a little bit of backlash was that Local H, the band Local H, one mm-hmm. of my favorite bands of all time, always has been, uh, wins the Metallica Hit the Stage contest. And a lot of people are like, hey, these guys aren't a local band. Now, yeah. I'm gonna, I know they have a gold record, but I'm going to defend why they're a local band. You don't think they are. Uh, first off. You just said, I know they have a gold record. Game <laughs> over. Game over. Step into my office. Okay, okay. Because you're fucking fired. But they got a gold record in 96. You I know don't what I'm give saying? a shit. They are a DIY band since I'd say, I mean, like their last record, uh, I think their last two records came out on their own label, the G&P. 
uh, uh, records or whatever like that, which is them. So they're putting out their own records. They're producing their own records. They're doing everything they can to sustain themselves completely DIY, which makes them, I think, capable of doing the local band contest. Now, I know they're 20 plus years into the, the game and that, yeah, they have a gold record and all that stuff. But regardless, this exposure for them is the same I think to kind of reignite a new audience to them to their new stuff. Like, oh, absolutely! Even like hey, on, look, on MetalSucks.net, the the song that was presented to them is is the hit, their their pseudo hit that uh, you know, Bound for the Floor. But the point is, is that like from the nineties? Yeah, it's from the well, yeah. it's, it's twenty plus years old, right? But the point is, is that like they guess been, what? So all the other bands that were competing in this haven't been around for twenty years. They've probably been around for five. And they've never had anything. They've never had the chance to go out on tour or something like that. I mean, and if they did, they're playing like little dive bars and they're stuffing themselves in a van. But they're, Local H probably doesn't have to worry about that. Well, local, but they're, they're still a DIY man and they have been for, I'd say, a decade. Uh, I remember, I remember, I look, think, I think Shout thing, Factory, they put out a record. This is my thing. 12 Angry Months. I don't know if that's a label. This is my thing, okay? They had a good, they had, they had a good little run in the 90s. Mm-hmm. And then they it, continually have a good run. I've seen them, no. you know, out here in Vegas quite a few times. Okay, yeah, so. I know. But my thing is, though, is that's because you've been hanging on to the memory of them in the '90s. What I'm saying is, is they had their run, they had their chance to blow up, uh-huh. and it didn't happen. So, but the thing is, is for them to say, for them to come across and say, "We've never had our chance. We're an unsigned band. We're not. You know, we're like we're like these we're like these guys that are just getting started." No, you're not. No, you're not at all. You've already had a chance to blow up. And it didn't happen. When did Local H have a chance to open for Metallica? I'm not Think saying Think about that. that. No, I'm that's not, that's the prize No, no, no. I here. get it. No, no. I get that. I get that. Why? If they're a DIY band and the and, and, and the, all the bands that did the Hit the Lights contest. Do you know like, how many bands out there that have probably been like, fuck, wait a minute. Oh, local bands. And they're like, ah, we probably shouldn't try. You know what I mean? Like, do you know how many bands who, who had their moment in the sun already? And that are still out there touring mm-hmm. and probably saw this contest going, oh, wait, no, we had a hit back in 2001 that we're out of it. We can't do this. And then they're like, no, fuck it. We're a local band. You know, we're, we're eating bologna out of our hand with no bread. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, no, you're not. You've already had your chance and you blew it. I disagree now, with you. I'm not saying I'm not saying that Local H isn't deserving. They are a great band. I think they're more deserving and can benefit more. No, no, no. Actually, they deserve it probably more than the bands that have only been around for three or four years. 100%. But the, you're right about that. But again, if they would have deserved it, Metallica would have been like, all they had to do is, all Metallica had to do was go, hey, get Local H to open up for us. But that's not what happened. But I think anybody, and this is another reason that I think that it is a legit reason that they're getting hired on, is that their last record, Hey Killer, their one before that, Hallelujah, I'm a Bun. All these records are, they're so much. They've been better and better and better through the years. They found their sound better and better and better. So to say like they're a '90s band to me isn't fair. You know, yes, they had the machine behind them in you the know '90s. What? That's why they're a '90s band because they had the Island Records machine behind just them. Just imagine but how they've pissed been you would DIY. Been. Just imagine how pissed you would have been doing better records. Okay, look, just imagine how pissed you would have been mm-hmm. if you would have been looking at these. If you would have really participated in the contest and listened to all the local bands and the submissions that were made available to you, mm-hmm. and you're going down the line, and then all of a sudden you see Sugar Ray or Lit, and you're like, "What the fuck?" Why are they even getting brought up into this? Well, hey, they had a they were they were big in the nineties. They had a big fucking yeah, gap of yeah, nothing. But here's and the then, thing is that they're nostalgia acts, and that's where I think 
is is local H's fans like I voted for them for this contest. Like I went out there and voted well, yeah. for all my email address. Like our email address for for work voted for local H on this contest. <laughs> so. Well, we're going to be talking with local H here soon too because we got yeah. an interview planned with them. But yeah. I mean, and we're going to ask him about this. Are you going to be a dick? Uh, I'm going to I'm going to I'm going <laughs> to come right out and tell him what I'm going to go, look. You're not the idea. You you, no, you dude, do I, not represent I, I, I'm local sure, talent, and, and I'm pretty sure like they saw that um, that post of, that we did on metal or that metal sucks did. So they're ready for that. The point is, is that um, a lot of like I, like I said, I get both sides of the fence. I see where you're coming. with I mean, this. like if Anthrax you, wanted to do, I, yeah, I, I, I'm, Anthrax, all I'm saying is, all I'm saying is, is where is the cutoff? The cutoff where is the cutoff? Is do it if you're a DIY band. That's where I think the cutoff okay. is, and they 100 percent have been. And yes, their fans have stuck with them, and they've made it through but, it all. But I don't call them a local band, though. DIY is different than local band. We have this band representing Santa okay. Cruz. If, and you're, then- if you're local, if, if you're touring out of your pocket without a label helping you tour, you're a DIY. You're a local band. That means you're going out to. Hey, I'm I'm paying with my credit card to go to dude. Insane from Chicago clown to posse could have participated in this and got all their Juggalo fans to vote for them, and then the contest would have been like, well, fuck. Now we got to let these guys open up for us. Patel would have been. Like oh fuck, you know now they got all these guys to vote for them. But all I'm saying but is they're this a rap is, group, but it doesn't fucking matter. And they got it, I think it, it does matter. They got Mixmaster Mike that's going to be spinning records before the fucking show. I mean, look, you can do it that way if you want. All I'm getting at is you can do it that way if you want to. If you want to, you could do it that way. There are other bands out there that are DIY that there's no okay. fucking way you're going to go. Okay, that's that's a DIY band. They count. No, I, I, they're I, already famous. They've already made it. No, I think anybody that's a DIY band that, like I said, pays with their credit card, rents out the vans. Do by I look at Local H and go, "Fuck yes, absolutely"? Would yes, I have voted? Yeah. Would I have voted for Local H? Absolutely. They were, they, you know, what I mean, like. But what I'm saying is, is do they fit the criteria in my mind as a local band? Absolutely not. Okay, I disagree. But you're, I, that's that's going to be a fun conversation. So, anyways, moving on. Um, I, I do. They got five dates. They're opening for Metallica. I really think, truly, that if they get the set list right, because I know all their songs. If they get the set list right, they are going to definitely. Dude, I catch hope a I lot hope, of fans. That's from what I'm tour. saying. Like, yeah. I hope this catapults them. Yeah. I want them. I want them to get to the level that they deserve to be at because they do deserve to be there. Yeah. But again. They don't fit the criteria in my eyes as a local band. And again, there are probably dozens of bands out there that are DIY that saw what Local H did and went like, hey, wait, what the fuck? Well, like, that's on them. I know. We're not trying. But I'm saying, we're though, not because they probably thought, oh, we're not a local band anymore. You know, all I'm saying is, is where's the cutoff? There is no cutoff. But here's the thing. When Metallica put out the thing for Hit the Lights, there was a criteria and Local H met it. True? Look. Okay. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> As a fan, I'm You're biased. You're a fucking cunt. Okay. Moving on to the next story. That, um... <laughs> Go ahead. Vladimir Klitschko lost to Anthony jo- I'm kidding. Okay. <laughs> oh, God. That's all he wants to talk about. All I want to talk about is that heavyweight fight from yesterday. Anyways, uh, Ozzy Osbourne, uh, he put out some new solo dates, which I don't know if that excites you. I'm always, I love, you know, Ozzy's solo stuff, but he did it with Zach Wilde returning in and Gus G. I, look. I loved, loved Ozzy's stuff with Zach Wilde. I personally, and I know this is going to sound insane. This is going to sound blasphemous. It's not blasphemous. But I loved the... Unless you say he's better than Randy Rose. I'm not going to say better, but I like... Because I think they're both on the same level. Whoa. Dude. Okay, we're going to keep going. I'll let you you do this. No, no, no. I'm telling you right now. Name one record 
that Zach Wilde put out. Okay, No More Tears is the best one, probably, with Ozzy Osbourne. That compares to the two records that Randy Rhodes wrote. I'm going to tell you. In any way, shape, or My favorite tracks are from No More Tears. And here's the difference, because... There's a different, there's a complete. What, Zombie Stomp is one of your favorite tracks? <laughs> Perry Mason, bitch. That's on Osmosis, dickhead. Oh, is it? Okay, whatever. <laughs> I just like that. I like that. Uh, there's a different sound that Zach Wilde has that compared to Randy I Rhodes. I like Perry Mason, but that's a, that's a, that's a tune, bro. But that Osmosis song is overall. fucking awesome. And I hope to God, I hope to God Zach plays play that, that live. If he's got Zach song. with him, though, if he's got Zach with him, they could, dude. Yeah, don't hold they could. On that. I'm not. Because Zach's going to be busy God playing Randy Rhodes' fucking songs. Hey, you're only, <laughs> but you're talking about how much he's, how much better he is. I'm like, dude, he could play Randy Rhodes' stuff. It's just there's a different yeah, sound. Yeah, with a wah-wah. Anyways. There's um, a difference. But can... But can uh, I, love, I love Zach Wilde. All I'm saying is can Randy Rhodes do the Zach Wilde stuff and make it sound like Zach Wilde? I mean, it's yes. different, dude. I'm sure Zach <laughs> Wilde can do the same stuff. Dude, the, the point is... is, is out of all the records, Zach Wilde All I'm Wilde saying did, is Zach Wilde was 18, 19 years old, and Ozzy's like, get me that fucking kid. I'm with you. But all the records Zach Wilde put out with Ozzy, okay, they do not compare to the, the first three records with Randy or Jake they were also They were also the first three records that Ozzy put out yeah, by himself. So whenever you do that, mm-hmm. whenever you, well, I mean, look at, look, you could do the same thing with uh, Metallica. You're like, oh, Cliff Burton's clearly better than Robert Trujillo. I'm like, I don't know about clearly. Trujillo's fucking amazing. An amazing bass player. He's clearly better, but go ahead. Better? Cliff Burton or uh, they're di- like they're, they're different, different, but I think I think Cliff Burton like it, obviously with look. but my th- but the thing is though is the reason but Cliff Burton though you listen to the stuff that Cliff Burton did to the bass in that in that era now I think Trujillo listen to some of Cliff Burton's stuff and apply that to his style you don't even know what Trujillo would sound like without a Cliff Burton so like whenever you're whenever you're discussing about whenever you're discussing people that came before them it sucks because both examples are like people that passed away you know not like Trujillo said, he's no, alive I'm talking yeah. about Cliff Burton versus right. Randy Rose right and yeah. the, but the thing is though is again Trujillo came after Cliff Burton so Trujillo probably learned some stuff from Cliff Burton and applied that to his style I like Randy how you're ignoring Jason Newstead in the middle right like, <laughs> you're, you're completely because he's not jumping. with him but he's not with him though but what I'm I saying understand. is this, yeah. but you look at but then you look at Zach Wilde and it's so hard to compare because he does sound different from Randy Rhodes but again he was 18 when Ozzy picked him up so you got to think who is Zach Wilde's First guitar player that he was like, what the fuck? Probably Randy Rhodes. Yeah, I agree. Probably Randy Rhodes. But again, he evolved and his style is different. I, I, I personally, I, I just wanted Ozzy to put out a record with Gus G. I know he said he's putting out one in 2018. I wanted it because I feel See, the Gus records G is with phenomenal. Bro. I know. I know. I That's mean, what I fucking mean. Wow. I, and he's another prodigy. I know, but I feel that if Ozzy kept him on to put out an actual record, we might have got something you know, like fired up in it because Zach Wilde, even with Black Label Society, all right, which I love Black Label Society, you know, different I lo- sound, though. different sound N- to me, not the Aussie records and Black Label Society, same sounding musically. Um, I think right. they sound exactly the same. Obviously, obviously, Aussie singing on one side and Zach Wilde's pretending to sing like Aussie on the other side. But the point <laughs> is, is that um, they sound very similar. I could put Black Rain right next to Mafia, dude. And you can be like, all right, this is like the same stuff. Yeah. Gus G was going to write a new record that was going to sound fresh and, and, and interesting and all that stuff. So now I'm excited to see Zach Wilde live, but I'm not excited for the new solo record that's coming out in 2018 because I haven't. 
The last one, Scream, I actually did really like. The last Ozzy Osbourne record. But I know uh, you didn't write on it. Neither did Zach Wilde. But the ones prior to that, if you go to Black Rain and all those records, like they were very, the, the, the music was tired. Maybe because there was a new black label every year too. You know, so you were getting a lot of that stuff. But uh, anyways. I think th- that's what it was. I just think it was oversaturation with black, black label. It could have been, you know. dude. He put out a record every year I mean, from like, like 2002, got, 2001 to like 2007. I every personally, year don't, I personally don't think anyone should put out a new record every fucking year because I don't, think you're giving, I don't think you're giving your audience your best shot. I think people should take about two or three years between, uh, between albums, get the, get the 12 best songs that you come up with in that time, and then put out the album. I think when you, I think when you put out new – same thing with comedy – like you saw Louis C.K., he was trying to put out a new album or new hour every year, yeah. and it was really diluting the diluting his, his product. And then, like recently, he took he he stopped doing that, and then recently he just put out this Netflix special, and everyone loves it. Yeah. So I mean, it's like I think I, it's but at the same time though, you don't want to get into that that uh, that tool area where you wait so long to get these to get like 14 12 14 perfect tracks and put it on one album because then you just end up fucking yourself see with me like with a guns and roses chinese democracy or this new tool record i don't feel that i just feel they're being lazy and they don't have to put out a record there's a point where you well get, where the you gu- chinese to. democracy though was so different because he, he was doing that with a with a band that wasn't the band that made them guns and roses yeah. you know so that's that's what makes chinese democracy speaking so speaking of guns and roses now uh, their tour has grossed over 230 million dollars yes okay right I, I i do explain to me okay i got the explanation okay. you ready as a guns and roses hey i get why guns and roses are good but why are they this wildly popular considering they haven't been relevant? Okay, I have an answer. Since, fact, ni- since when has Guns N' Roses been relevant? 94? Dude, every fucking sporting event you go to, uh-huh. you will hear Welcome to the Jungle. Okay. Every fucking and one. And Paradise City. And Paradise City. And you're talking about relevance. Dude, you listen to any rock radio station, any rock radio station, Guns N' Roses is playing. That is one of the most foundational bands to ever come out. Let's be honest here. From like, when did they come out? Like in 80s, 87, 87, 87, and that whole entire, in the 90s. I mean, dude, Appetite for Destruction is one of the best records ever, in my opinion. I'm talking like top five. That is an amazing record where you put out that many great tracks. And then Lies wasn't that bad. Patience got played crazy when it came out, but everybody knows it. And then you, and then he comes, and then they come back out with uh, Use Your Illusions Illusions 1 and 2. And those albums were fucking timeless. I remember MTV having like a huge major event when they were going to re- release the video for November Rain. It's like, and what I'm trying to tell you is, is in the, and then keep this in mind too, when MTV was still playing music and when rock radio and when rock and roll was like the king, mm-hmm. Guns N' Roses were at the forefront of that time. Now you don't have that. You don't have anybody that grew up with a band like Guns N' Roses because there's so much different music getting shoved in everyone's faces because there is no spot. There is not one spot that you could go to, like an MTV, to soak in all this music to where you could kind of, you know what I mean? It's like, well, people don't love music like they used to love music. No, 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 they 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 do. See, I don't think so. See, no, they do love music. Is there another band that can be this popular in this era? They do love music like they used to. Everybody loves music like they used to. The difference is, is now, instead of 12 bands, you have 240 bands that you have to listen to. So it's like, 
You know, you know what I mean? It's like you're just getting blasted in the face with content. It's hard to narrow it down. And when you got a band like Guns N' Roses who stood out for so long and put out so many timeless songs, dude, I, the fact that you're scratching your head is confusing to me. I, I'm scratching my head and yes, on the, nostalgia, the grossing number. The nostalgia factor. $230 million. The nostalgia factor is so fucking big, dude. I know. The nostalgia factor is so big. You know, and it's like, and on top of that too, they just came, they came back together. Slash and Axel came back together after everyone thought that wasn't going to happen ever. After numerous interviews where both of them were like, fuck that guy, fuck that guy. They made it, they made it, they got back together. Everybody wanted to see that. Everybody wanted to see that. It's the same thing applies here. And then I had, I, I had no interest. <laughs> I know you did. I was done with Axl Rose when he made me wait at a concert for like four hours. All right. And I left. Because you never at, forgave him for because it. Because I'm you not go. going back. So you took it personal. Dude, Axl basically fuck fucked him. your mom. And you were like, no, fuck you, Axl. You know fuck what I mean? that. I remember I was 2.30 a.m. I got there at 9. And he, that fool did not he, show up. He bounced his nuts off your mom's chin. And you were like, Axel, come on. Why show I, some respect why to your fans. Support because, respect your fans. Because I support Slash. I mean, I think Slash is great. I've seen him with Velvet Revolver. I've seen him solo. I've seen him all that stuff. But, like, I, I don't give a fuck no, about I, No, look, don't get me wrong. If Axel would have pulled that shit. I mean, if, if I would have. I, I, I pers- paid $114 I for tickets. For two, yeah. I mean, it was like two fifty for two tickets. I saw him. I saw Guns N' Roses. With, I saw the reunion yep. at T-Mobile. And it was fucking Awesome. Okay. I'm not saying it wouldn't. I didn't pay for tickets and I never would pay for tickets. I never would pay for tickets to go see Guns N' Roses because of that very fucking reason. But we're talking the 230 million gross where people would pay for tickets. But what I'm talking about though is again. Bro, you got me free tickets that I didn't even go. No, no, no. I I called you up. I called you up and said, hey, I got some. Do you want them? And you go, uh, I can't go. You remember that? Yeah, I wouldn't. I didn't want yeah. to go. Didn't so go, it's but. not the fact. Yeah, it's not the fact <laughs> that you had them and didn't go. But what I'm saying is, is like, you know, Guns N' Roses again, though, it's one. They are a foundational rock band. They really are. They are in the hierarchy. They are one of those bands that deserves to be that. up on the rock, Mount Rushmore of rock. They do. I mean, I get that, but I, like I said, it's the nostalgia thing. It's the relevance that I, I think of a band, and I get in trouble for this all the time. Like when we talk Maiden, all these bands that are still really relevant, like the last Judas Priest record, all these bands from this era that that uh, still put out great records and are still meaningful to what they're doing. When a band is just let's play those same three records twenty five years later now, okay, and everybody shits their pants over it. But this is what I'm. Get, but this is what I'm getting. Makes at. no fucking. But sense. they didn't hear. This is another thing though. Judas Priest, Metallica, they're putting out new records. Mm-hmm. They're putting and they they probably play one or two songs off the new record, right? Right. Uh, last time I saw Priest, uh, Redeemer, so they, they play like four. They, they okay. did good. They three did good. or four. Three or Maiden four. plays like half the record yeah, all the yeah. time. Yeah. Three or four. But again, Maiden, but they're always they're always touring. They're always out there. They didn't see Guns N' Roses tour with Slash and Axel for fucking years, like decades. But, so when that came, so when that happened, everybody wanted to hear that those songs played the way with Axel and Slash. That's the way they did it. That was one of the biggest combos. Axel and Slash really were the Lennon and McCartney of... Hair metal. No, no, <laughs> no just, just a fucking rock and roll. In, in the middle, of, in the, from the mid-80s, from the mid-80s to the late-90s, that was Lennon and McCarthy. That's what, that's what, that, that's what that duo was. Uh, dude, I, that's a fair assessment. I'm not going to disagree with you. Yeah. I'm just... A, amazed at the amount of money that they made. So moving on from the big bands that we're talking about, the Metallicas and the Aussies and the Guns N' Roses, one thing that was in the news this week, actually uh, it happened a while ago, but uh, 
the agonist responded this week. That's the new thing. Alisa uh, White Glues from Arch Enemy, singer of Arch Enemy, she kind of bashed her old band, The Agonist, saying they betrayed her. They took all this stuff away. The Agonist took their time, but they finally responded this week in a very, very lengthy way, right? Almost like too, too much on both of their ends, right? It's like, who wins when you have this kind of nonsense going back and forth. Do you think people want to take the time to read your fucking aired out bullshit on the air? Or do you both bands just look assholey? Well, for starters, I'm going to tell you why both people win. And this is what's shitty about society. And this mm. is what has happened to us all. We're talking about them. Yeah. We're talking about them. I mean, not, so, no, not in a positive light. Not in a positive light. Doesn't fucking matter. You know, the old, you know, the old saying, all, any, all publicity is good publicity, good or bad, you know? Is that is that how the old saying goes? I don't know what it no, was. No, that, that's a, that's a, that's a relevant still saying. I yeah, don't yeah. Think it's anything but what old, I'm saying but. is though is we're st- we're talking about them, and now and now and let's face but it. To me, it looks like the agonist because she said this a while ago on uh, the Just. Oh, podcast. I think it's fucking stupid. I think them responding now with the amount that they responded makes them look like it looked like they walked away from it. Hey, we're not going to get in this pissing match, and then now they got into a pissing match. So not only did they hurt. But They're guess bad. what happened? Guess they what hurt happened? Arch Enemy too. Guess what happened? Guess yeah. what happened when the when the when they wrote that lengthy response? Everybody, everybody logged onto their website. No, I can well, guarantee no. you. I can guarantee you the spikes on their website went wham. Okay, they saw a response. No, to where, me, where, they look like victims, and they want us to feel sorry for them because they had to deal with this person, their old singer, that actually. Most of their fame, and from my experience, and, and I do have all their records, you know, uh, most of their fame, you know, especially like with Prisoners or Lullabies of the Dormant Mind, she was a huge part of why that band I'm sure. got any. She was the singer. Yeah, I know. Of course. So, so they somehow replaced her, and now more people like the Agonist. I actually was like, hey, I really like the Agonist more now. They put out a record, they put out one last year called Five, but the one Eye of Providence is a phenomenal record, best record they ever did. So why? Now, two records after, are they going to come and, 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 and respond to her, because, her dumb allegations? Because when who she, knows? And also, she's doing well in Arch Enemy. This is all, it all makes no sense. It right makes now. no sense. No, because, None. but again, no, you have to understand something. The difference, Pete and I always get into giant arguments, okay? Off, we, we, we don't really do it too much on the mics, but off mic, we always get into giant arguments. And it's because, you know, you're a pacifist. So you're just like, whatever. You know, so you just kind of like, let shit, let shit go. And just move on. You know mm, what I mean? Yeah. I'm, I, but the thing is, though. You need the last word. <laughs> I need to get the last word out. I need to get the last word. And the thing is, though, is, and then I push you. And the thing is, is I push you so hard, eventually you start screaming back. Now you're trying to get the last word in. No, I'm trying to shut you up. That's really it. I think, and maybe that, maybe that is how this is that's going. How, Somebody's trying to make someone shut up. That's what it is. It seemed because, like the because, talking was done. Well, this is, what, this, is what, uh, this is where a lot of people that argue think is going to happen okay because when you watch television shows you watch movies whenever there's an argument okay the person like one person will make this fucking profound point that the other person didn't think of like silent bob what jane silent bob like when silent bob speaks everybody listens and it's like it doesn't really make any sense yeah it's stupid but like <laughs> uh most overrated director ever but like uh the thing is is um when, when somebody like for example well, like you didn't see yoga hosiers <laughs> <laughs> anyway what I'm trying to tell you is, is when somebody makes a point in a movie or a television show, the other person, the opposition just goes, uh, um, 
Uh, yeah, but in reality, uh, like, and in reality, the that's not what happens. The yeah, the, yes. dumb, the dumb stick to their dumb that's side. That's not yeah. what happens. No one wants to admit it. No one, because and especially in now, especially in today's day and age, you can show someone, look, this is what really fucking happened, and they will go, "Where'd you get that? That's not real news. That's fake." You get what I'm saying? I mean, it's just people. What has happened and why? And it just adds more and more fuel to why I'm losing faith in humanity is because there are so many people that are choosing to listen to what they believe. And, and there is no truth now. There is no truth. No. Belief. There, there's, there's, belief is more important than truth. Well, I think belief has always been more important than truth, amazingly enough. But there is mathematical truths. Besides yes. that, it's all opinion. And we're all just fighting. But anyways, um, last story, just to throw this out there. The Melvins are going on tour. I thought this was amazing because they are doing 12 weeks straight, three months God straight on a tour. Damn. These dudes, man, always make everybody else look lazy. How, do you, how are you going to do three straight months on the road, play three and a half hour sets or whatever they do? <laughs> and just, I mean, what are they on record 25? Like, they, is that too much, do you think? Do you think it's overkill here, or do you think these guys are, that's just the Melvins, that's what's expected? I think, I don't even think it's what's expected. I think that's what's expected of themselves. Yeah. You know? Like, those, way, to, way to keep the bar super fucking high. Well, it's right? super high when you talk about, um, it's super high when you talk about uh, perseverance. You know, I mean, when it, when it comes to putting work into your craft, it's yeah. super high. I mean, that bar is fucking high. Yeah. But again, like I said, 25 records, how many of those records are really solid? You know what I mean? And how many are experimental? And how many are experimental? You know, so, and, and that's what I'm getting at. It's like sometimes there are times where I think it's important for, for artists to not burn themselves out. And because eventually, eventually, you know, you're it's like, ah, oh, let's just put this bullshit out, you know? Yeah. And, and it's like, I do think there, that, as a, that as an artist, you do need a lot of downtime to find something or at least give yourself a chance to be inspired by the right thing. You know, sometimes people are, sometimes people get inspired by the wrong thing, write a song and they go, well, fuck it. I wrote it. Put it out there. Put it on the record. And it's like, but that doesn't match with the rest of the record. I don't give a fuck. I wrote it. Put it out there. You know, and that's, and I think sometimes that happens. Three months straight is fucking crazy. I couldn't even imagine it, dude. Dude. I couldn't even imagine it. It's, and with three dudes, oh, man, I got to tell you. I, don't, I, I think any young band that did this would break up after that tour. You're my, <laughs> it would be over. You have been my best friend for 20 years. I, I can't spend three hours with you without screaming at you. <laughs> it's like that. Just imagine if you and I were in a band touring. Yeah. You know what I mean? We'd have the best time of our lives sometimes. For the first Two weeks. For the I, first, I, I bet by day 30, we're like, let me get the fuck away I've, from you. Yeah, exactly. And I then we have 60 days to go. Away. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then we stay away from each other for a month, and I'm like, and then I call you up, and then I'm like, where the fuck have you been, bro? And then we get back together, and then two weeks on the fucking road, I want to murder you again, and then fucking, and it's the same sick process. Yes. All right, yes. let's get well, back to these guys Mike are, Nine. So, hey, interview, we got to, Mike Nine is back. They just toured, uh, they just completed a, a short tour, so he's back, and I hate God. This after. is a very deep interview, too. I'm going to tell you, like, I didn't think he he was so honest, so honest. Pete couldn't make it, dude. I yeah, no. The he interview got, to the, the time got shifted where I had to go yeah, back to work. Pete wanted to be there. Broke but, my heart. I mean, this guy's like yeah. one of my favorites. So, uh, but uh, yeah, Brandon does it solo on this one. But anyways, guys, uh, I'm all about this interview. So say Mike nine from I Hate God Metal Sucks podcast here with Mike Williams from I Hate God. How you doing, man? Mike Nine, that is. Okay. Get it right, man. <laughs> Got you, brother. Mike I'm Nine. I'm doing great, man. 
I'm doing fucking great. I feel good. Excellent, man. First off, just want to say happy 49th birthday. Uh, now, thankfully, that liver transplant has a happy ending. It's actually on my 50th birthday, so... Oh, it's your 50th birthday. Yeah. <laughs> some, whatever's on Wikipedia is probably wrong. <laughs> right. Yeah, I just had my 50th birthday, man. Dude, how's... So, um, I feel like I'm 25, though, man. I really do. I feel a lot better, man. Yeah, especially after all that you've been through, right? Well, yeah, it was, a, it was a shitty couple of years, of, uh, more like three years, really, that I was really sick, you know, just off and on, in and out of the hospital stuff, you know, you know just uh, dealing with all that, man, it just, it, you know, you don't ever think that's going to happen, but, you know, when it does, it just, it deals. so, yeah, man. Yeah, man, like when you heard that news, uh, take us back to when you got that diagnosis. I mean, when they dropped that news to you, like what what was the first thought that went through your brain? Oh, well, I mean, when somebody tells you you have cirrhosis of the liver and you're an alcoholic, you just pretty much keep drinking, you know, that's uh, that's what I did. I didn't give a fuck, you know. They told me, yeah, your liver's, uh, you know, it's pretty much rotten. You know, from uh, from drinking too much, basically, and all the drugs you've done, and whatever. I was just like, um, well, what else to do but try to forget about it and keep drinking? You know, so that's what I did. It, it took a, a few years before I got I got sicker before things to uh, you know start to get serious for me to be like, man, I, this is I can't take this uh, lightly. You know, this has to be seriously looked at you know what was the wake-up call just this just getting sicker just feeling worse and worse and having absolutely no energy and and just you know being nauseous and you know there's a lot of symptoms that go with that you don't you think it's just like it, it, whatever people think cirrhosis is or liver damage or liver disease or whatever it's uh there's a lot of crazy symptoms that go along with it you know that um your liver filters your blood, you know, so when you get any kind of impurities in your blood, which is just daily life, you know, you get impurities in your body. So, like, um, I mean, those things can affect your brain. They can affect, you know, just everything. So, you know, it's just uh, as things progressed, it just turned into uh, me really kind of deciding that, I, you know, I need to stay alive here, you know, so... Mm. And uh, when you when you when you came to after the surgery and, and you know you had kind of a, was it one of those like you know new leases on life like you ran out and you're just like hello tree hello flower that kind of thing I mean <laughs> well I mean not no not like that really but I mean I mean it's you know I mean it, it takes a while to really realize where you're at after being under anesthesia and all that you know so I guess after a while you know. I mean, I am honestly more grateful for things right now, you know? I mean, it's not the first time I've almost died. I've almost died a shitload of times, you know, from different things, you know, from different situations. But, um. Like, what kind I mean, of different uh, situations? You know, that was <laughs> the latest one. And, and it just, you know, you do appreciate things more. And you, you don't want to take anything for granted, you know? Right. What kind of other situations? Just like you partying too hard or just you know, like you had a close call in traffic? 
I mean, you know, I've OD'd before. I fucking, uh, I've, I've had, I used to um, have really bad asthma. For a few times, I had to go to the emergency room because I couldn't breathe at all. Um, I used to buy drugs in the middle of the fucking projects. That's pretty much considered uh, risking your life <laughs> right. there, you know, so. Right. And but, I, I mean, there's just been things, you know, close calls. But this was the closest, you know. Right. I was on like life support, oh. you know, stuff. So, and uh, who was the most positive person in your life when you were going through this? Who did you turn to to give you strength? Oh, my wife, Michelle. Yeah, amazing person, you know. Super fucking cool girl, man. Just uh, someone I've been knowing for ages, and we. We didn't really get together till like, uh, after Hurricane Katrina. That was another time I almost died, Hurricane Katrina. Forgot about that one. Oh, I'll have to ask you about that later. I have to add that to the list. But, uh, <clears throat> but anyway, yeah, Michelle, man, she, she just kept me going, man. You know, she helped me get sober, and she helped me just get through the illness. And, you know, she must have had... I mean, just imagine your loved one going through something like that. You know, she must have had it super tough, you know, just... Uh, Heartbreaking, man. You know, I just think about what she went through, not only what I went through, but her having to see me like that, you know? And, like, me almost dying and just... That just must have been fucking horrible for her, too, you know? Mm -hmm. But she was just uh, always my rock, you know, so... Everybody needs one a, of those, dude. A, a good match, me and her... For sure. And uh, what happened with Katrina? Like, were you just, were you right there when the storm hit and you just didn't get out? No, I, I mean, I was living in um, a flop house, like uptown New Orleans. Absolutely no money, you know, on drugs, you know, everything else. Um, living in this shitty neighborhood, just um, you had no way to leave town, you know. So, and usually people in New Orleans, don't leave town anyway when there's a hurricane because I was like, yeah, let's just let's get drunk and hang out in the hurricane, you know. But this was like the big one, you know, the one that everybody thought would never happen. Katrina was so um, we stayed, you know, me and this person I was living with, we stayed there, and uh, the hurricane came through, and it, nothing much happened where I lived. Um, like, I mean, some buildings fell down, and so there was, like, some dead bodies around the corner and stuff like that we saw. But other than that, I mean, like, our neighborhood stayed dry, but all the people from all the other neighborhoods that flooded came to our neighborhood. You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So, like, all those people were looking for dry land. They came to my neighborhood. So it just turned into chaos, you know? There was just people robbing each other. There was, it was, it was, it was terrible, man. There was no nine one no cops. You couldn't call them. Couldn't do anything. You know. So uh, eventually, you know, I borrowed, quote unquote, a car, and uh, and we left then. But I ended up, uh, I had kind of also borrowed some things from a pharmacy as well. So. Kind of got caught with that and uh, ended up in jail in this small town up north, um, Louisiana. 
But uh, that's 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 a whole long story, man. That's a, it, there's so much. Dude, what a trip, that. Jesus! You when are you going to write a screenplay? Is what I want to know. My God. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've 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 constantly thought about it, you know, because people were always telling me that, you know, like you should at least write a book or write write this down. And you know, I've written some of it down, you know, but I kind of it's it's hard to get through it sometimes. I have to just force myself to write this stuff. Um, I need somebody to really sit down with me and interview me and get all this out of me. You know, that would be the ultimate way to do the book or whatever, you know, is to have somebody uh, do that, you know, kind of curate it, like help me with it, you know. But, um, I mean, in that, in all the stories, I hate God stories, you know, it's just like this crazy stuff with the band. And, you know, next year's I Hate God's uh, 30th, anniversary as a band so it's been a lot of crazy shit that's happened i bet 30 years especially man and um with a successful liver transplant though do you have to kind of change your the way you live like a strict diet do you is there do you have to like eat right you got to do exercise you have to did you have to change your lifestyle at all well yeah i mean exercising helps i mean that anybody you know and they they recommend you exercise you know I mean, I just, like, walk, you know, and, you know, playing with the band and stuff is good enough. I mean, I don't go have any kind of super, I don't go to the gym or anything like that, you know. But just, you know, taking walks and, you know, being active is good. But And, and as far as the diet, there's nothing, like, super strict. I just have to stay away from certain foods. You know, there's, like, certain things you can't eat. Like, I can't eat, like, raw oysters anymore, which are something us down here in new orleans really love and mm-hmm. i can't have those anymore there's just there's a few things i cannot have but for the most part it's pretty normal you know i mean i just I, there's medication that i do have to take for like mo- supposedly the rest of my life but they actually just cut me down on that so I'm hoping that maybe that won't be that long, you know, so we'll see. Right on, man. And now, from your experience, what is the worst thing about the American healthcare system, and what's the best thing? Uh, I don't know, man. If it wasn't for um, for Obama, I, I would have, I'd be dead right now, you know, to be honest. I mean, that, the healthcare program that he brought up helped me get insurance. I didn't have insurance my entire life, you know. I mean, I was just one of those people who didn't give a fuck, you know, until my wife came along and was like, you need insurance, you know, you, you got to go to the hospital. So she she helped me with all that, too. But um, I don't know. It's, the worst thing is, like, I think some of, some of the health care, like some of these nurses, like, probably don't know as much as they, I think some of them get passed, like, without knowing everything they should you know i think they should be taught more about their their attitudes sometimes as well as what they're they're saving people yeah that's great but sometimes they can be uh it can be pretty fucking evil too but uh that's only a few certain people but I, i don't know man i thought i was treated well with uh the hospital stays you know and it just seemed uh it was fine with me, you know. Um, when you were faced with the, uh, with you know, when you were found out about cirrhosis of the liver and whatnot, did you have a, did you call in all your buddies, or not your buddies, but your your mates from uh, I Hate God and say, look, you know, did you have like a moment where you're like, 
did you guys say, hey, man, if I can't do it, you guys carry on? Or, or did you or did everybody just kind of say, like, look, man, once Mike's out, it's done? Well, no. I mean, nobody – well, for the first, like, year or two, I didn't even tell anybody. I didn't right. say a word about it. I just went on like everything was normal. Like I said, I you know, just kept drinking and didn't even pay much attention to my illness. But uh, So I didn't tell anyone. But um, later on when it got worse, and I did tell them – I mean, that's how the, uh, the thing with the discharge tour – with Randy Black singing, that's how that came up. Was the fact that I didn't want, I didn't want the band to to not do that tour. I wanted them to do the tour and keep the name I He God, you know, there. You know, I mean, it, it would be up to them. Like if something really did happen to me, if they wanted to continue after I'm gone, that's fine with me. You know, mm-hmm. I mean it would. Be, I mean, this band has, has many chapters, you know, like I said, 30 years, you know. I mean, there's been times when I didn't show up because I got arrested or something, and <laughs> there's been singers, I mean, Seth Putnam sang for I Hate God once, you know, so there's been uh, there's been things like that that have happened, and then, like most recently, like I said, with Phil singing and uh, Randy White singing, and those were like a band decision, you know, that was our ideas to be like, you know, Mike wants a band to continue, especially Discharge, because they're one of my favorite bands ever, you know. And uh, I was like, man, we you, you guys got to do that tour. And, you know, she set up a tour, too. You don't want to cancel at the last minute. It gives the whole band a bad name, you know. So yeah, as I found out, for the tour that I, I was sick and there's no way I could do it. You know, it's that point where it's like, uh, you guys do it without me and let's think of somebody that would be cool to, to sing, you know, just for these few shows and then that's it. You know, that I'll, I'll, I promise I'll be back in the band, you know. Oh, man. And uh, how excited were you to get back on stage? I mean, I know you only played like a handful of shows since your recovery, but how 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 great was it just to get back up there? fucking amazing man yeah amazing you know I, it's just what i've been doing my whole life i've been in band since i was 15 years old you know i'm a little hardcore punk rock kid i grew up you know back in the 80s you know, back when you know <laughs> i mean uh so i've been doing this a long time and and uh this, this is what i do this is what i know to do you know so it was fucking amazing, and to be up there with your friends, you know, and it's just the best feeling, you know? I believe that, man. And uh, at 50, you know, there were lyrics you wrote. You said you've been in a band since you were 15. I mean, there were lyrics you wrote when you were 15, and, you know, being 50 now, do you ever look back on some of the things that you wrote, like, in your, you know, in your, like, when your teens and your 20s, and you're just like, that? what the hell was I thinking? <laughs> I was like, you know, have you ever had like, one of those moments? Oh, of course. <laughs> my first band, well, I had a bunch of, like, bedroom bands, you know, those bands that you just have, like, it's you and your friend, and you just, like, uh, you got, like, an old bass guitar, and you're like, this is, uh, let's call it this. There's no drummer or something. There's a bunch of stuff like that, but my first band was called, uh, called Teenage Waste, and we were, like, we were, like, uh, like, uh, you know, like a DC kind of hardcore band, and, uh, 
you know, the songs are pretty fucking stupid, man. You know, when I look back, it's just juvenile stuff. But, I mean, that's how it goes. I mean, that's what happens, you know. I mean, you, you just you get older and you mature with what you read and what you 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 learn, you know, from from life itself. So you're not just writing about, uh, I think we had a song called Fuck You, John Lennon, or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, you see what I'm saying? That needs so to be when, on a T-shirt. <laughs> so when you, when you, uh, when I said stupid, I wasn't, I wasn't lying. So, you know, there was some pretty stupid, silly lyrics. But, I mean, we were having fun. We were kids you know i mean we were like 15 years old living the dream man and uh yeah so uh, the brotherhood of the new orleans metal scene it just seems like it's one of the most tight-knit one of the best scenes there is and how lucky do you feel to be a part of that world and that team uh, i mean it's something that you kind of don't notice because you know we've been here you know i've been in new orleans most of my life you know so it's great, man. I mean, all the bands are great, and we're all friends, and there's so many side projects with other bands and other members of other bands, and uh, there's so many bands from here, too, that just haven't been recognized or haven't got records out. And You know, there's just, there's, it, it's fun, man. I'm sure everybody thinks the same about their city, too, you know? I mean, everybody's going to claim their city is the best city, you know? But I just think New Orleans is... Uh, but there's just something different about it, you know? Mm-hmm. A lot of and history. Guess, yeah. And, I mean, you know, your environment is pretty much shaped your band or your music. So I think everybody here has something unique going on that uh, that everybody took notice of, you know? And I always wanted that. I always wanted other cities. Because you used to hear about, like, Seattle or, you know, some other city, and they're like, oh, that's that Seattle sound. Yeah, yeah. You know, but now, so now New Orleans has that that thing. Everybody's like, oh, the New Orleans sound or whatever. So it's kind of cool, you know, and I'm glad people recognize it. And you were being one of the foundational bands in that scene. That's pretty awesome. And uh, do you have any new plans for new music for I Hate God? Of course, man. They've... Uh... The band has already gotten like nine songs or maybe more even songs written. They just have to be pieced together and, you know, and of course I have to get vocals and lyrics for them. And uh, I'm hoping we can go in the studio sometime, but you know how that is with I Hate God. It took us 14 years to put out a new record, so uh, I'm hoping that we can uh, get our shit together sooner than that this time and put something out because now that I'm back and I'm ready to, to roll, you know, I'm, I'm ready to tour. So we're going to, we want to put something out. We can tour with, you know, put out an EP or something first and then maybe, uh, you know, something later, a full length after that. But it's all up to when we can all get together and get it done, you know, but we definitely got new material written. Right on. And are you planning on going full force this year with touring or are you just going to take it slow you know, do a couple of dates here and there. I'm kind of taking it easy, but at the same time, going, you know, just we're kind of just playing it by year. Like, we've got, like, 11 shows in May coming up. We're doing, like, Texas and uh, some southern shows, and then we're going out to California to do a couple shows. 
So um, it's like 11 shows in May, and then after that, we'll see what happens, you know. Um, I mean, I'm ready to, to, you know, it's like we're all, we're not young kids anymore. So, you know, it is, you know, you have to, you want to be comfortable on tour. You want to, you know, you got you got to try to be slightly healthy. You know, it's not totally healthy, but slightly. You know, so... uh we're not going to be going on any, like, two-month tours or anything like that. But, you know, we're going to try to go back to Europe and uh, try to find – hopefully we can finally go to, like, South America and stuff and some places we haven't been before, you know, and go back to Australia or go back to Japan, you know. So we, we'd like to do that stuff. Cool. And uh, last question, Mike. And so far, man, this has been great. Uh, can you give us any updates on Arson Anthem or Corrections House? Um, Arson Anthem hasn't done anything since, uh, you know, Hank, uh, Hank three Shelton, Shelton Williams, he didn't really want to do it anymore. He wanted to do his own thing. And that's, you know, before he went and recorded all those, uh, I don't know what he put out, like four records at once or something crazy, or I don't even know what he did. But, um, so we haven't really done it since kind of he left you know i i still want to get that band together and do something with it you know arson anthem but uh it's really just a matter of time to see what happens but uh corrections house me and scott kind of been talking and uh bruce lamont we've been talking trying to um figure out when it's just feasible for us all to get together you know so you know everybody's on such a different schedule it's hard to 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 hook up but we want to get in the studio with that band too and record and uh we're definitely talking about it with corrections house we'll just have to see what happens hopefully soon all right on man mike nine dude thank you so much with i hey god uh great interview you answered some uh pretty tough questions and uh we're very happy to have you here at metal sucks thank you man i appreciate it i appreciate it all right take care all right take care man later later buddy
the Metal Sucks Podcast.
dude, that, that was a great, great job. Dude, Man, the, I, I wish I was I don't there. know how, I don't know. I'm how, listening and I'm like, oh, I want to add this and this and this. I don't know how many times the Katrina stuff was asked, but I was like, whoa. I mean, he had me, there were a couple times when he was talking about all the times that he almost died where I was just like, what the fuck? Like, this guy's lived a life and a half. No, I know, dude. You know. For sure. Now, uh, the songs you heard, first one was I Hate God, uh, Flags and Cities Bound. And the second one, which I'm, I'm super excited about. I'm a huge Ice Earth fan. That's, a, that's the latest from Ice Earth. It's the Raven Age, their new record, Incorruptibles, coming out June 16th. Had to throw that out there for uh, any of the other Ice Earth uh, diehards. But um, uh, yeah, dude, great interview. Thank um, you. Uh, good job, dude. And uh, I guess that's, uh, that's it for this week, man. All right. Well, that's it for Metal Sucks Podcast. We'll see you guys next week. Once again, go to iTunes. Give us a five-star review. Tell your friends. Tattoo it on your knuckles. Metal Sucks Podcast. Over and out. Bye-bye. See you. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network.